Graphic Nature acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land on which we record the show and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and future and extend that respect to other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening to this podcast. Due to the graphic nature of this program, listener discretion is advised. Fighting for what's right, for justice, that's what a hero does. It is my opinion, without any reasonable doubt and without any reservation, that comic books are an important contributing factor in many cases of juvenile delinquency. Comic books are pure evil. Satan himself condemns our children to the fiery depths of hell. How a particular tale can come to life in the mind of a reader is endlessly fascinating to me. We have found that all comic books have a very bad effect on teaching the youngest children the proper reading techniques. This balloon print pattern prevents that. I am not a villain. I am a victim. A victim of a society that tortured me. Vengeance will be mine. It'll be mine. It'll be mine. Welcome to Graphic Nature, a fortnightly podcast exploring the inspiring world of comic books, the culture that supports it, the creators, publishers, and people behind the printed pages and digital screens pushing the medium on into the future in Australia and the world. I'm Zoran Ilyevsky. On this episode, we talk to Frank Candiloro, a local comic creator. Frank, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. You've been around for quite a while now doing a, a lot of work uh, locally mm-hmm. uh, in Australia uh, and in Melbourne in particular. Uh, h- how did you get started? What was, your, what was the impetus for you to, to start creating comics? Oh, wow. Um, it's, that would that'd be about 10 years ago, actually, now that I think about it. It was 2009. Prior to that point, I was a filmmaker and I was an animator. And I was oh, kind wow. Of, yeah, I've had a, a long history in, uh, in different mediums. Sort of, so I was sort of drawing a bit. I had just uh, graduated from uni and um, I was sort of just like around, roaming, around uh, roaming around the streets of 2009, just sort of wondering, you know, what I could do. And I was interested in comics, but it never really occurred to me to sort of just, just make them. So uh, I saw an ad on a... I think it was like an arts forum. Mm-hmm. It was sort of about, it's like, oh, you know, looking for like disgusting and depraved comics for this uh, publication <laughs> called Yuck. The publication was by uh, James Andre, who did uh, Milk Shadow Books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I emailed him. I sort of explained, it's like, look, I haven't done any comics, but here's my art style. Because I was, you know, very much into horror. It's yeah. like, you know, do you, would would you be interested? And he's like, yeah, sure. Just, you know, just send something and I'll, I'll, I'll publish it. So I was like, okay, cool. And I came up with... Was it, was it really that easy? Yeah. No shit. Yeah, I was kind of surprised myself. <laughs> um, yeah, so I made a comic called Millennial Monsters. It was basically about the universal monsters in present day society. I, I did the comic and he published it. And yeah, and I kind of, I probably would have just stopped there. Then I found out there were the uh, the Melbourne comic uh, book uh, creator meetups, oh, which yeah. are still happening to this day, which, which he went to a few. So um, I ended up going to a few of those and I found out that others were sort of self-publishing their books and um, being from an animation background I was so used to sort of just sending my film to festivals doing the whole like you know that whole like road show thing of like putting your film on the road and sending it to various places and constantly getting knockbacks so I thought oh, okay well putting your book in stores that's gonna be really really difficult and I noticed that a few of them had books in uh, Minotaur mm-hmm. and um, 
I sort of asked, uh, I think I asked James, it's like, how did you get, how did you book, book then? He's like, I asked and they said, yes. I'm like, really? It's like, it's that simple. It's like, yeah. There was no committee? No. The, I mean, for some stores there are, but in that yeah. particular case, yeah. So I was like, wow. I mean, you know, I, I've got to get into this. So in October of 2010, I published my very first uh standalone comic rabbit rabbits raid the earth yep uh it wasn't very good but that's okay we've all got to start somewhere that's right um but yeah so and i just kept going ever ever since just because for me um it, it just felt not that comic book creating is easy but at the time i mean compared to animation it felt easy so it's like you know you know i've made uh, made one i want to make another one and then it just kept spiraling from there yeah, and it's uh, yeah still carried me to this day. Yeah, right. Coming from an animation, uh, let's say background, for instance, particularly in regards to comics, uh, what informed you in terms of pacing and all that other kind of stuff, like panels and angles and all this? Kind of, I'm assuming that mm. a lot of it came from your animation background, but comics is still a little bit different from animation. Yeah. How did you How did you work that through? Did you uh, Were you constantly reading other things? Have you been reading comics for many years? How did it come about? Like, where did you get your your stylings from? I think with um with well, because I was an animator, because I was sort of just learning how to draw. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to. I kind of wanted to keep things uh, keep the drawing simple because mm-hmm. in animation, especially with two D animation, you're drawing the same image like constantly. I mean. Back then, it was like twenty-four frames a second. Are they still doing twenty-four frames? Um, back then they're doing. I mean, they're doing sixty frames. I'm glad I'm not an animator now. I wouldn't want to <laughs> do that. Uh, sixty frames per. Because I think was it traditional animation was fifteen or tw- oh no, it was fifteen or something like that, wasn't it? Or am I wrong? I could be. Uh, wrong. It depends on the animation, maybe. Yeah, right. Um, I think if it was too detailed, it would look terrible. I mean, I think if you could, if you did it now, it might be a bit better but back then with the limited technology mm-hmm. it was just better to keep it simple and that was sort of my mantra when it came to the comics was to sort of make the panels as as clear as possible like they didn't have to be beautifully illustrated but as long as um the storytelling was clear mm-hmm. and the action like the uh, in in film they call it blocking but sort of like the the block the blocking and action is yeah. is clear and um it flows from panel to panel the thing that for me that differed from comics and animation was with animation, it's kind of the most obvious thing, but animation, everything moves and in comics they don't. Mm. And the thing is with, with comics, the readers sort of like putting like their own things in between the lines, in between like the gutter. Yeah. And so, you know, that could literally mean anything. So for me, it was sort of like, okay, so the two, pa- the, the panel before that and after that, they really need to, they really need to connect. So you've, it sort of made me realize that I need to be a bit more careful with how I how I pose the characters, uh, what angles I drew it from, mm-hmm. just so that you know the the reader wouldn't get confused unless unnecessarily unless yeah. I want them to get confused, in which case that would be a good idea. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. From what I understand is uh, there's quite a few people who who've come from a film background mm. coming to comics, and it's almost not necessarily seamless, but they kind of get it. Particularly if you're working in say. Uh, storyboarding it's kind of a similar process Mm. uh, going from frame to frame or panel to panel as it would be i've spoken to many people over the years about the way that you know the gutter fills in you know people's brains fill in Mm. what happens in between the gutters and it's really interesting yeah did you have you ever been a big reader of comics and is that what informed how you would use 
uh, panels and how you would go about creating the books that you do? Yeah, I, I definitely was. Um, I sort of didn't really get into serious comic reading till I was about 20. And I sort of checked out, I mean, it's a, it's a cliche answer, but I checked out The Dark Knight Returns by Frank Miller. It's, mm-hmm. sort, of the, it's sort of one of those um, like seminal superhero comics. Probably because I was 20, it was 2005, Batman Begins just came out. So there was this huge... And, <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and everyone was sort of got... To, and Sin City, the same year, the movie. So everyone was talking about Frank Miller. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'll go, I'll go check it out. And yeah, I think, I think Dark Knight Returns is amazing. You can't, can't see it listening to this, but I've got a tattoo of uh, there you do. One, of the, one of the panels. I think what I, what I loved about that comic was um, the way, just the way the layout was and, and the panels, it didn't really, f- it, it sort of, you know, you, you sort of look at like other superhero comics and the, the layout of the panels is, is fairly like standard. Um, but with this one, it seemed like the panels would just constantly change from page to page. It was inconsistent, but in a really good way. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way he conveyed, the way he conveyed movement just by splitting up the actions into like really tiny panels and the way he told the story through, through the, the talking heads of the, of the news, like that was how you yeah. could, you could tell the story. And it sort of just made me realize like how like creative you could be with, with comics and in particular his style, it was really it's really simple. Um, it's basic shapes. I mean, you can sort of tell who the characters are, but it's not like super detailed. Yeah. Um, I think I like uh, Frank, Frank Miller's a, an interesting person, let's say, and I'm certainly yeah, not going to... Let's say that, yeah. I'm not going to talk about his politics on here because we probably don't have enough time. But anyway, um, yeah, the, the I, one of the quotes I always liked of his was that he was kind of like against the whole like realism of superheroes. It's like, you know, when I see Superman, I don't really want to see like uh, like sweat form under his armpits. I want to see Superman fly. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of been something that I've I've, ta- I've taken on with, with my own comics. It's sort of about, it's not necessarily about the smaller details. It's sort of about the, sort of about the, the actions, like what, you know, like what? What do you want a character to convey? What mm-hmm. do you want it to to represent? So I think that was sort of the one that got me into 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 comics. Um, I used to read like a whole bunch of like really old school like forties and fifties comics. Yeah, right. That was kind of an influence on my what on types? My what types of comics from that era? Um, a lot of superhero stuff. A lot of the horror, like EC comics, like Tales from the Crypt and yep. and stuff like that. Uh. What were the other ones? Were you actively seeking those types of books? Yeah, just because it, it seemed like... Because back then I wasn't a particularly great uh, illustrator and I was still learning and it seemed like a good style for me to, to emulate because um, with stuff like the really old comics like Crazy Cat and Little Lulu, like the really sort of basic shapes, mainly because I had the interest in animation. Mm-hmm. So that like the golden age of animation was a big influence to me as well, particularly like the Fleischer brothers and their animations. It was like solid black shapes and like really like, like in sort of like a really solid black outline mm-hmm. with uh, lines in it that w- were considerably smaller, like more finer details, which, yeah, that was a big influence on my style. Cause that's kind of what I think defines it. It's the big outlines and the, the smaller details are, uh, on the on the inside of of the character, so yeah, yeah right. Mm. Okay, that's that's really interesting that you would go there. I get the uh, the uh, you're going back and reading the EC comics and stuff like mm. that. Considering you've, you've stated that you're a horror fan, yeah. Um, but uh, how how that you know it's it's 
I, I always find it strange when, well, not strange. I find it uh, amazing that someone goes, oh, I'm going to go through, uh, there's like, you know, what is it, 60, 70 years now? Well, it's probably longer, but let's mm. say in our lifetime, I'm assuming we're relatively close in age, <laughs> uh, in, in our lifetimes, there are, there's, you know, 70 plus comics that we could go back and check out. Now with online, there's just so much more. Mm. And why anyone would go, I'm going to go read these books from this particular area in, in history mm. rather than, you know, just kind of check out all the new shit. Because I'm, I'm the new shit guy. I go and I just buy yeah. all the new stuff mm. and just check it all out. Uh, but I'm not necessarily looking at, you know, I'm not looking at stuff to go, hey, how am I going to do this? Or how am I going to do that? Yeah, I guess because like with me, when I'm learning like a new medium, I kind of like to go back to the very beginning just mm -hmm. to see like how it how it originated. Yeah, right, um, how it's evolved. Yeah, um, it's, it's actually funny because another thing that really influenced me at the time um, was, um, I mean, I guess it's fairly modern, but... Um, a lot of Vertigo comics, because mm -hmm. um, yeah, a great like, line of comics. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, there's, I mean, too many to count. But there's like Transmetropolitan. There's Sandman. There's uh, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Grant Morrison's Animal Man. Um, Hell Hellblazer. Um, uh, well, back then it was. Now it's it's part of DC, but you know, whatever. there's no such thing anymore. Yeah, it's it's kind of a shame, but like, yeah, those were um, those were the comics that I sort of like realized that that yeah, you know, you could do a lot more than just superheroes. And even with superheroes, you could sort of do really interesting versions of them. Yeah. And it, it just had that sort of that, um, for lack of a better word, that 90s uh, sensibility. Nothing wrong with the 90s. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a 90s <laughs> kid. So, you know, um, you know, like, like especially like, you know, some of the Sandman covers and um, the, oh, there was one uh, Def, the, I think it's the high, the cost of living, the higher cost of living, which mm -hmm. I think is amazing. But yeah, the cover, <laughs> it looks like a, Looks like a Tori Amos cover. I mean, I love Tori Amos, so for me, that's a that's a good thing. Well, it's because Dave McKean did some work on Tori Amos's covers. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, and yeah, and he did. Um, I think they also did work on uh, an Alice Cooper comic at the and time. Were, yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, I think he did the cover of that, which I think yeah. was pretty cool. Yeah, and because I was also like into like heavy metal and and hard rock. Vertigo kind of just has that sensibility. Yeah, right. So, you know. I've never looked at it that way, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, so for me, I guess with my own comics, they're kind of a mix of like the old 40s stuff in terms of the illustration. In terms of themes, they're more like Vertigo, which I kind of just realised now, actually. I never really thought about it that right. way, but yeah. And, and considering you're mentioning that, when, it, when you do come up with an idea for a new book, what's the process for you? Um, a lot of the ideas just come uh, like just by random sort of and i sort of think about it and then i'm like okay is this like it sounds like a good idea but is it going to work in comics form like is it going to be too difficult to draw am i going to be able to convey the message with it and if i decide that the answer is yes i'll start sort of slowly developing ideas so i'll just write down like just whatever's coming to my head like so like I'll write down a like a brief synopsis of the idea. So um, I'm just trying to think of an example. My latest subterrestrial, which is about, which is about, which is set in like outer space and a sci-fi. So I was like, okay, so um, you know, so we've got an explorer. They're in space. They land on the planet, and they go exploring. And then I kind of like as I'm writing it, sometimes I'll get different ideas. Like okay, I'll add this. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll add that. And once I've got enough ideas. I then sort of work, uh, kind of what a lot of writers do, they sort of start at the ending, yep. then they sort of work their way backwards, then I write the script, uh, and then, yeah, I do the character designs, and then I start, then I start drawing it. 
Yeah. Yeah, right. When when looking for ideas, so effectively, it doesn't matter when you don't have like a, a bank of of ideas, you know, like loose pieces of paper in a folder somewhere. Oh, I definitely or, do have <laughs> plenty of those. There's so many um there's so many comics that I was going to make which I just never have they never sort of left the, the cutting room floor yeah, so right. to speak yeah but yeah i definitely have many many more ideas than i have published books <laughs> <laughs> i think that's a, a lot of creatives end yeah. up in that kind of arena <laughs> mm. from that point you, you've written a script do you have any kind of particular process in terms of turning that story slash script into aside from the character designs but kind of sitting down and go do you map it out how do you do mm. it well, yeah, um, the way I sort of do it and the way that I figured out how to write comic scripts, going back to Frank Miller, in his in the trade paperback of year one, there was a, excuse me, there was an example of the um, year one script that they used. Mm-hmm. And I was laid out. So I sort of thought, oh, okay. Was it like a director's cut where they have the script? Yeah, they've got like special features, yep. so to speak, in like character sketches and whatnot. So I looked at the script and I was like, oh, okay, that's how I write write comics. So that's kind of what I did. It, it I think Rowan, Rowan Ellis mentioned something similar, like him and Mark Miller and a lot of the other like British comic writers of the late 70s, early 80s. I think it was, um, I can't remember if it was 2000 AD or something else, but they published an example of a, of a comic script. And apparently that's how he and so many other like famous British comic writers right. learn how to write comics. Mm. So, yeah. Usually what I do with the scripts is I usually write the panels, kind of like a film script as well. Yep. So, like, if, for example, there's, like, a panel and it's a close-up, I'll put, like, extreme close-up of this person as they're doing whatever. Mm-hmm. Some some people do thumbnails. They sort of, like, draw... Like they draw like small panels and they lay it out, lay it out. Um, which is yeah, which is diagram. kind of where I was was going because I know that many yeah. others do do thumbnails. But uh, are you doing? So you're drawing straight from script. Yeah. So I mean, sometimes if I've got a really complicated page and it's got a lot of panels, mm-hmm. I will probably thumbnail it just so I've got an idea of what it looks like in my head. And sometimes if I'm rereading the script, and I'm looking at it and I'm kind of like, wait, why did I, why did I put that in mm-hmm. there? Then I'll sort of draw it out just to sort of map it. It actually happened with the comic I'm doing now. Yeah. I'm like, why did I put nine panels there? What, what's going on? How am I going to draw that onto the page? But so yeah, f- in that case, thumbnailing does work. Yeah. Right. So are there any books where you've, where you've done entire, uh, entire mappings or is it, are you just kind of like going write the script and then as you're looking at the script, you're just drawing it. Yeah, I'm pretty much just doing that, just sort of looking at the script and drawing it. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. Mm. Oh, mm. That's pretty full on. And what type of stories do you do you prefer telling? Like like I said before, I'm I'm really into horror. So I'm kind of enjoying that. I kind of like I kinda of like doing um sort of the monster as metaphor for the, the other. Mm-hmm. So um I mean I guess going back to superheroes probably the the best example is the X Men, mm-hmm. which are meant to be an allegory for like it could be um, you know, like race race rights or like queer rights mm-hmm. or you know, any any kind of thing like that. And you know, there are problems with that kind of uh method of storytelling particular i mean particularly um when it comes to sort of portraying a, a minority like as aliens which is what like a lot of old school comics tend to do yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of issues uh in regards to that but i feel like if it's done right it, it can be a really compelling story mm-hmm. i also kind of like telling stories that are i mean i guess fairly real is probably not the word 
I guess fairly down to earth, but have sort of like a, a fantasy grounded in reality twi- twist. Yeah, like like going back to to Vertigo is probably the best yeah. uh, example. You know that that I think just sort of like did that really well, like than than anyone else. Yeah, and very human humanistic kind of stories, but otherworldly characters. Yeah, I mean particularly with like Hellblazer and John Constantine in the world he kind of um, operates in, and you know it's it's very much like our world, and it's got like. It's got demons. I mean, our world has demons too, but they don't appear <laughs> as actual demons. That's kind of the thing. Yeah. 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 Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Uh, where else do you get your inspiration from? Is it just a matter of walking down the street going, oh, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. I might, mm. might explore that. Or do you take uh, a lot of a lot of ideas from the world around you or in particular books or movies or where do, where's your inspiration mm. actually come from? I did used to take a lot from movies because I was a filmmaker mm-hmm. and most, yeah, most of my books were essentially the short films that I wish I had made yeah, right. when I had the, <laughs> the resources. So yeah, lately, I mean, not so much. A lot of them are very like autobiographical and they sort of talk about my, my own experiences with, um, with various issues. And um, I'm also influenced a lot by music. I really, really love music. I really love a lot of heavy metal and hip hop. I think especially with hip hop, there's like a, there's a real sort of like uh, there's a there's a there's a true there's a truth to it I I think and there's a passion to it which I really sort of want to emulate mm-hmm. in comics and a lot uh, especially with some of my shorter comics I try to like write it like it's a song because like the thing about songs is that it's it's it, they're really sort of succinct and they get straight to the point because you don't have a lot of time like most songs are three to four minutes long yeah. and that's kind of what I try to do because previously um i kind of tried to emulate movies and the bigness and trying to do that in like 20 pages it's it's pretty difficult but with with songs it's like okay you can get straight to the point so that's kind of what i do with with the comics like if i feel like there's a point i want to make i'll get it through as succinctly and quickly as i as i possibly can you're listening to Graphic Nature. We'll return right after this short message. Hey, thanks for listening. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, we are all over social media. Well, not all over it, but we've got a few. We've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Please jump on Facebook and like us if you're enjoying the show, as well as following us on Instagram and Twitter. You can find all the details on the website, graphicnature.media. Thanks very much. This has been a Graphic Nature public service announcement. How critical are you of yourself or what's the editing process for you like? Well, when I started out, I didn't do any editing because I thought I was brilliant and I didn't need it. And editing (laughs) was for the week. No. um, (laughs) Well, that's kind of how I felt like back then. Uh, I don't feel that way now. I mean, usually when I write the scripts, I sort of go through them. I sort of think, okay, wait, is this going to work? Maybe it doesn't. Like same same with like like pencils and stuff. Like I, the way I draw, I sort of draw the pencil pages first. Yeah. I scan those in and I digitally ink them. Mm-hmm. And I sort of um I don't let myself get too attached to what I draw on the pencils. If I feel like it can be changed or if it can be made better, like I will. Like I don't. I'm not. But sort of that that phrase in writing, "kill your darlings," is is sort of like uh pretty pretty relevant to that to to this sort of thing. You just try not to get too attached to like what you're drawing. It's sort of for me. I feel it's sort of about what is in service to the story and what's in service to the message. And is yep. it conveying that? Like, I mean, yeah, the panel might look pretty, but if it's not really doing anything, if it's just holding it up, what's I would point? prefer to. Yeah, I'd yeah. prefer to re- remove it. Yeah, so that so that's kind of my 
yes, yeah, kind of my edit. So you edit. So you. So if I got this right, you're editing while you're drawing, not necessarily like writing the script, giving it to someone. Say, hey, take a read. Yeah, I don't normally. Do, I probably should do that, but anyway. That's <laughs> well, like, no, I'm not telling you how to do Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, some people would be mortified to hear that, but anyway. Um, I can cut that out. So. Oh no, no, no. That no, I'm. I'm joking. Like, it's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, so, um, like, I think for, for me, I, I actually like hearing, like, the feedback after I'm completely done. Yeah, right. Which, I, I don't know, like, some people wouldn't agree with that, but I, but I like that because, I mean, for me, I'm constantly making stuff. Yeah. and You are pretty prolific. Yeah, and I'm actually quite okay with some of my books being, being failures. Which, if that makes any sense. Yeah, which yeah. leads me into the next question. How do you take criticism, let's say necessary, let's say uh, negative criticism? Mm. How, does it, how does it work? Does it feed into your next book? Do, does it work? Do you kind of reflect and then move from that or do you just disregard it? Yeah, I'm, I'm never affected by negative criticism. I love it so much. Um, really? And it never upsets me. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah, I, on, okay. I'd be lying if I said it didn't affect me. It mm-hmm. it it does. It affects it. It affects everyone to some to some level. I think usually I try try to try to sort of see where the person is coming from. Nine times out of ten, it's it's always helpful. It's usually yeah. just the person like going, okay, I didn't like this because I felt like it, like the storytelling wasn't wasn't clear. You know, I thought it was really like poorly written. And I'm like, okay, like that's that's fair enough. Sometimes it's just because I, I don't like they don't like the illustrating style, which is which is totally valid. But you just sort of chalked up to okay, it's just an it's just an everyone's got different tastes, mm-hmm. so to, so to speak. Um, I mean, you know, if it's really like um like if it's filled with uh, let's say bile and really insulting, you can kind of disregard that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like it's it's just about like yeah, I mean. You know, I don't think like all criticism is necessarily insults. Like a lot can be very helpful, and I'm a big believer in criticism in in just about like like anything that I do because I do think that's important. Because because you know, if you, if you really think about it, if someone's going to take the time to analyze something you've done, even if it's negatively, they they're giving you it. They they they're giving you their attention mm-hmm. on it. It's it's a compliment ultimately at the end of the day. They think it's worth talking about you know so at the end of the day it's it's i think it's something to be thankful for but even there are times where it still makes me upset though, i'm not gonna <laughs> lie <laughs> and you wouldn't be and you wouldn't be human if you weren't yeah absolutely yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should i even ask how, how do you receive uh, good good feedback positive uh, feedback i marry the person just on the spot <laughs> yeah um <laughs> well no nah, it's it's always it's always appreciated i had a book out just uh i think a book out uh a year ago, it was called Monster Zero. It won the Bronze Ledger Award in 2015. I'm Congratulations. obligated. To say, thank you. I'm obligated to say that every five minutes. Um, <laughs> well, you should have told. I wish I had known that. I would have uh, put you in, put that in the intro. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bronze I've, Ledger Award winner. Yeah, I think I'll I'm, see if I can yeah, tack it in. I always get tired of mentioning it because every time I'm applying for something, I feel like no, I've got to mention it like somewhere. So yeah, but anyhow, so it had won the Ledger in that year, and um, it suddenly became a lot more popular. It was kind of ironic because no one really picked it up until it won the award and then suddenly there was like an an, an onslaught of people people wanting to read it yeah, um, no sometimes uh, what is it like the oscars do the same thing like no yeah. it's on nobody's radar until they say nominated for an oscar and then everybody goes and watches it 
so yeah, and I was I was at was at Zeke's uh, Zine. I think it was like Zine Indie Comics Symposium or something like that. Mm-hmm. This is up in Brisbane. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was sort of it was uh, the convention, and this uh, this girl walked up to me and she was like, "Hey," and I'm like, "Hey, how's it going?" And she sort of did the whole thing that. Um, you know, people at conventions do, they, they, they sort of just came up and they sort of like, you know, looked through the books and they were like, you know, just, you know, sometimes I'll say, oh, it's great. Sometimes they'll say, oh, it's great. And I'll buy one. Or sometimes I'll just walk away. Just business yeah. as usual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this person. And that's always a weird exchange because I, I must yeah. say for me personally, as, a, as, you know, whenever I'm at a convention, and that's one of the most awkward situations ever is going through looking at somebody's stuff and then they do the hi, how you going with the eyeball and it's like you kinda of go, I'm just I'm just I'm just gonna move over here. It's it's, like, it's tough. Do you, do you like comics? <laughs> you like these ones, don't you? Mm. Why don't you buy one? You know you want to. Yeah, well it's 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 <laughs> that it's that way. It's really weird. Like it doesn't matter how mm. I look at it. And unless you know the person, which majority of people don't, you know, you come up and like how do you you know, do you just walk off and mm. kind of go yeah, I looked at your stuff, wasn't really all that interesting, so I'm going to keep walking because mm. it doesn't really hold my interest. And, and yeah. that, that's basically feedback too. And, and I always kind of feel awkward whenever that kind of situation yeah. arises. I mean, I can't speak for every comic creator on that, but for me, I don't take it personally because I've done this for so many yeah, yeah. years and it's it's normal at this point. So if someone looks at them and they sort of like go, oh, thanks, and walk away, it's like I don't think anything of it. It's like, okay, it's not not their thing or maybe maybe they can't afford it or whatever you know so so yeah this this person this woman came up to the to the to the table and she was like hey how's it going and she was sort of looking through monster zero and so um i sort of just like you know i'm just like staring off into the distance kind of just you know waiting for the person to like either buy it or or not buy it yeah then i looked at her and i noticed that she had tears rolling down her her face i'm like like is 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 she crying like what's going on and I had sort of, so I, I had to ask, it's like, look, um, are you, are you all right? Is anything okay? And she was like, oh, I was just reading the book. It's, it's really beautiful. I can really relate to it. It really spoke to me. And I'm like, like just blown away. Yeah. Like, wow. And uh, yeah, she bought the, bought the book. Um, and she was like, yeah, thank you for doing good work. I think this is really important. I think it's going to really help people. And yeah, I mean, that's that's why you make the book. That's why it's not the only reason why I make the books, but it's definitely a big reason. Is that emotional feedback, which to me is worth a thousand sales. As far as it I'm it really is, yeah. isn't it? it, it all mm. it really takes is one person to give you that type of reaction, or, or even that type of feedback, and it's yeah. really all that matters at the mm. end of the day. But yeah, it was uh, it was an amazing experience. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the good feedback is always always appreciated. Like if even for me. Like if I'm reading a book and um, I mean, this was when I was on Twitter. I'm not on Twitter anymore, so I don't do this as much. But usually I'll just sort of like, you know, tweet or message them saying, hey, I really liked your book. I think you're doing great work because I know how much it means to me yeah. and it's going to mean the world to them. Absolutely. You know, so, yeah. And, you know, they always respond back with, oh, thanks. It's so really, it's really nice of you. So, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit of your time, and it makes and it makes a world of difference to someone else. Mm, absolutely, yeah, it's much like anything, just walking around and, and giving someone a bit of props for for doing. I remember as a as a young man, I was a I was an asshole, and if I saw people, well, I kind of still am sometimes. <laughs> but you know, you, you look at someone, and and I had a really it took me a very long time, when, with regard to comics, especially looking at mm. someone's artwork, and particularly if they were uh, if they were you know local. 
and it was very different 20 years ago than it was now. Mm. And you look at someone who's doing a local comic and go, whatever, I'm going to go and buy Jim Lee and I'm going to go, you know, buy all these big names from yep. in, you know, international artists. Cause mm. you know, what do you know? You're just, you're just another hack like me going into a comic shop. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, that's changed mm. quite a lot. Yep. Um, Frank, I'm just <laughs> letting you know uh, that, that uh, I no longer have that view because all it takes is for for one person who has a negative thought about someone else doing some work, do the same thing. Mm. Try and put something together. Yeah. And and when you when you understand the effort that goes into some of this stuff, into into a lot of these comics, whether they be professional or whether they be whether they be local or just you know doing it on their doing it on their um on their desk at home, mm. it's it's a massive deal, and you understand what goes through for some of this stuff. And albeit there are you mm. know. There are ranges, like some aren't that great, some are fantastic, yeah. but at the end of the day, the effort is still there. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I agree. Yeah, I'm a big sort of believer in like, just like, just giving it a, giving it a shot. Mm. Like, just like, like, and sort of just like knowing that like, like first time it's probably going to be, it's probably going to be terrible. Like if, if you're being honest with yourself and, you know, I think that's, I think that's fine, honestly. Like, I think... They need like I think Warren Ellis was sort of mentioning. Um, uh, I think it was George Burns. Yeah. He sort of like yeah. he George Burns was sort of around when vaudeville was a thing. Yeah. When vaudeville shut down, he, uh, George Burns was like, "Well, now there's no place for the kids to be lousy." It's kind of like what it's kind of it's kind of like what we've we've got here. It's kind of like indie comics in a way because it's a place where you can be lousy and you know it's it's still pretty scary obviously yeah. you're putting yourself out there yeah but you know on the other hand i mean the, i mean kind of sometimes this can be a bit of a a bit of a curse but it can also be a blessing the fact that we're like a lot of like australian comics are still like relatively underground yeah we can sort of put out crappy work and it's really not the end of the world no it's not you know? and, and and like yeah. you say it, it is a proving ground not only mm. for the creator yeah but also for you know amongst other creators and other people who not necessarily sorry might not necessarily want to be comic creators but they mm. can look at stuff that's being done locally it has uh you know it may be centered locally and so they get you know there's a lot more you can get out of it and like you say if it's shit it's not the end of the world and they can write yeah. it, they can do another book and it's a great you know, it's a great place to, to practice. Yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's, you're, a, you're a Hollywood production company, you're making a movie and if it <laughs> flops, then you're really in trouble. You know, it's like... Yeah, what does it cost to... Well, actually, what does it cost to print to print a book roughly? Well... 100 it, bucks, 300 bucks? Yeah, it, it, it depends on like... Um, it depends on how you do it. Um, if you get it done through like a, an external printer like I do, it will probably cost you around that much if you're sort of just doing the the diy zine making it probably won't cost that much at yeah, all because you want a couple of bucks a book yeah so yeah. um yeah it really you know really really just it really just depends on uh or if the, you've got a printer venue. at home yeah, yeah yeah that too like i mean and also i think i if i i'll probably just uh i'll probably just like if any like up-and-coming comic creators are listening to this i hope so um <laughs> yeah um i just just sort of want to say like if you're going to print out your own book don't print out that many copies. Like print out about thirty or forty, just so you can test the test the waters. Mm. Yeah, because uh, and then slowly sort of work your way 
up, which is what I did because I've just heard too, like this is not a judgment on them, but I've heard too many horror stories of like like comic creators just starting out who've purchased a thousand copies starting out, and to this day they've got like rooms in their house full of boxes. But I think of that's got comics. a lot. That's got a lot to do with the way that a lot of the, the available print market or the printers here work, and it's like, well, oh yeah, that's a good. You point. know, it's like yeah. hey, if you buy a thousand, it's going to cost you. A buck, a, uh, you know, a buck a book. But if you spend, you know, if you only want forty, it's oh, going to yeah. cost you five or six. Right? Yeah, so they go kind of go. Well, I can get more, and mm. you know, I think it's awesome. So hopefully, other people will think it's awesome. So yeah. I'll print a thousand. Mm. You know, I, I I completely understand that. Is it wrong? I don't think necessarily. Is it taxing and and harsh to have? You know, particularly if a creator's got you know, th- you know mm. 950 copies sitting at the house for 10 years. I think that's a bit, that's a bit much. Yeah. Uh, I certainly don't think it's, it's wrong. Like it's just, yeah, I just like, I just feel for the people who, who can't yeah. get yeah. them, get them out. Like, unless they're okay with that, which is, which is fine. Like it's, you know, it's totally okay. You just, you know, spend a few years in the industry and hopefully you, you crack yeah, it big yeah. and then sell them on eBay. Mm. Some, in all fairness, some creators have done that. So it's not impossible. I would imagine quite a few have done that. Yeah. Uh, mm. And and it, again, it's now I think there's a, quite a few small print houses popping up all over the place, or yeah. or even a lot of a lot of places who are starting to realise, hey, I can actually make a, a small buck out of this. But if I do a good job, I'll get other uh, more, more business, and you know, just doing small press runs of of people's comics, mm. which is great. And I think yeah. there should be more of it because mm. uh, I don't think there's that many out there. Yeah, there used to be um, a few years back when I started doing that. I think like a lot of them have kind of just stopped mainly because like, a, like, you know, they, they have other commitments and mm-hmm. it makes sense because it's a lot to, it's a lot to take on. So I definitely sympathize with that. Yeah. Have you ever thought of, or have you ever applied for like grants and stuff like that to, to help out on certain projects? Not particularly. I've, I've got to be honest. I find the whole idea of applying for a grant really scary because I've looked at the forms and they're really, they're really long and there's, it's, it's, yeah, there's so much to fill out. And I almost think that's by design. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> to limit the amount of applicants that come through. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if, if art, other artists apply for grants, I have so much respect for them because, you know, they're willing to fill all that. And that's like so much strength. Like just, yeah, that's amazing. So, yeah, for me, it's always been the whole like DIY sort of do-it-yourself sort of thing. I think grants are great. And if, if you can get a grant, by all means, go get the grant. But yeah, it's it's just not really something I believe in. But mind you, someone came up to me and said, do you want this grant? I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, that's how they work, Frank, but yeah. it's a great idea. I can dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've said a lot uh, throughout the interview about DIY and a do-it-yourself. Have you ever actually thought about collaborating or doing work with somebody else if you haven't already? Um, I've done that once or twice. Mm-hmm. It it doesn't really happen that often, uh, mainly because um, I'm, not, I'm not saying this because I, I want anyone to feel sorry for me, but just that my style doesn't really apply to a lot of, is not really applicable to a lot of stories, which is okay. So I you're mean, not ruling it out. It's I'm just, not ruling it yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't happen that often. Would Plus, you like to? I certainly wouldn't mind. I think the thing is also, which is probably another reason why people haven't asked, is because I'm always busy with my own books. Yeah, right. So it's, they, they probably think, well, is, is Frank ever going to get a, ch- is there a anyone, chance to do it? Yeah. Is there anyone you would like to work with? There's there's one really cool artist. I think 
she she has an alias. I think it's called Mister Mister Splitfoot or something. She, uh, she does a lot of horror comics. Um, she does have a name. I'm not. I just wasn't sure because she's fairly shy, so I don't want to like put her on the on the spot. Aliases are fine. Yeah. Um. She she's done a comic called Coney's Best Cuts. They're very horror influenced. Kind of um. Kind of inspired by like I get a lot of like a lot of a real horror manga vibe like Uzumaki mm-hmm. and um. What was it? Oh, Death Note. That's it. Yep. Yeah, they're real. You know, they're really, they're really cool. Um, and yeah, I've been a fan of her works for the longest time. And she said some pretty nice things about my own work as nice. well. So I haven't, I haven't approached her, but like for her to illustrate one of my stories would be really cool. It doesn't hurt to ask. Yeah, I think un- for me though, unfortunately, the other thing is I really don't have the time. That's kind of an issue. Yeah, right. Yeah. Can't bang out a script. Oh, uh, yeah, I could probably do that. So hey. How about drawing this? Yeah, maybe. I wrote it with you in mind. I w- I'm not going to rule it out. Uh, <laughs> it, it, maybe it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah. You never know. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you've done the circuits for a bit. How do the different conventions kind of work for you? I tend to do much better at like the smaller zine fairs and mm-hmm. the smaller like comic um, comic conventions, stuff like um, like Home Cooked um, and Indie Comic Con and, and, and whatnot, just because the audience is there specifically yeah. for the kind of books that I do. So it's much easier to sell. And, you know, and it's just a better vibe, in, in my opinion. You sort of feel really sort of happy to be there. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, the bigger conventions, these tend to vary depending on what kind of work yeah. that you do. I've done a few of the bigger conventions. They tend, I tended to do all right, but yeah, I still, I mean, didn't really, I just don't really think they're my thing. And have you done, so have you done many interstate uh, indie conventions? Yeah. So I've definitely done a few interstate. Um, I've done the Otherworld Zine Fair in Sydney, which is great. Okay. It's kind of, it's kind of the Sydney equivalent of the, the Sticky Zine Fair. Oh, which okay, is great. immensely popular. So, and yeah, and, and that one in, in Sydney's uh great too. I really, really like that one. Um, and there's also Comic Street in Brisbane. Okay. Uh, it's run by Alicia Alicia Jade. They, oh, right. Yep. Yeah, the, it's sort of a it's sort of like a convention in the middle of the the Brisbane city square. So like you've literally got tables right in front of that big plaza there. Yeah, right. So literally the crowd that's there is literally a crowd, the Brisbane crowd. And they sort of just walk past and they, you know, they might pick up the books on it. And you might think, okay, how is this going to work because it's just like random strangers. But, but shockingly, it did. Like, I, I had a great time. I How long has it been interested. running? Uh, I think since about 2016, 20, 2017. It's pretty new. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I think there was one this year. I didn't go to it because I went to other worlds. But yeah, yeah the, the to be honest, yeah, it seems like the, the, the smaller comic fairs and zine fairs are sort of the one place where I feel like there's interest for this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm a big believer in, in those. I definitely want to keep doing them as much as I possibly can. Yeah. Nice. And have you thought about uh, getting something going on in an international sense? Yep. Um, I've had a few like international sales with some of my, some of my books about back in 2014, I went to the small press expo, Nice. uh, which is, yeah, which is to this day, it still remains the best comic convention I've ever done, like ever. And it's funny because like, like uh, back back when I first started it, like the the constant like fear with a lot of comic creators that only your family and friends would buy the books, and you know that expo thankfully proved uh, proved that sentiment wrong because you know a whole bunch of people bought the books, and I certainly did not know any any of them because you know 
It was yeah. it was America. You didn't you didn't know any of them. Yeah. But what was really interesting was that you had a lot of like international guests, like really sort of big names in the indie comic scene, like Ed Piscor and, and Emily Carroll, and we were all just sort of together in one area because usually with like the comic guests it's like the vip section in the in the corner and the artist alley is in another corner because we're all together it kind of felt good it kind of felt like you know we're all like you know together um i was also there at the ignatz awards on that particular ceremony and it was funny because one of the one of the organizers was like and you know i kind of wish more award hosts would do this it's like saying, look, I know that these award shows can make some artists feel like crap, particularly if you haven't gotten shortlisted. I just want you to know that this isn't the be-all and end-all. You know, you just got to keep doing it. Just keep making work and remember that that's the most important thing. And I'm like, you know what? That does make me feel better, actually. And it's it's so nice. Like, I kind of wish more award hosts would um would do that. But yeah, it was, it was such a great convention. I've been meaning to go back. The thing with SBX is that it kind of now it operates on a lottery system because so many creators want to go. And because I think, like, you know, give them credit, like, they sort of think that, like, they don't want to just stick to, like, choosing the same creators each and every time. They want to give everyone a chance. So they do the lottery where, you know, you get a number and they, they pick them out, basically. Fortunately, I haven't won yet, so I can't really go back. But, you know... I'm hoping to eventually, eventually do that. So yes, yeah. nice. nice. Mm. And finally, Frank, how did how do you sit with uh, web comics? And have you ever worked in web comics? Do you think that's a viable thing for you? I did used to do a web comic. Uh, it was actually back in t- 2009. Mm-hmm. It was called The Adventures of White Wolf. Um, yep. It was sort of about a superhero who has depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it was sort of like. Um, it was, it was basically a character and he was sort of like a werewolf initially. But after he did a, after he sort of like uh, made this serum, he's able to sort of like keep the strength of being a werewolf without actually being a werewolf. Yeah, right. So to speak. And I did that for about uh, two years. I, it sort of just got really difficult to do because I was doing the, the public publishing of the comics. Yeah. I was like, I really want to focus on, on that. So I kind of like put put that aside i do i do like web comics i really 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 dig them i think where it's going now i've noticed that they tend to be really short and sort of like self-contained and usually yeah. they're sort of just like funny like funny anecdotes of like every, so every like newspaper comic strips yeah exactly which yeah. i think is where it's where it's gone which i think is where it's if, which i think is where it where it where it stands right now you can't really do a lot of like because back when i did it like the serialized webcomic was very popular yeah i don't think that's the case anymore mainly because like most of the time if you're on the internet you're, you're using facebook or you're using twitter and you're scrolling through so you kind of just need something short to, to capture your attention for a little bit mm. and i think that kind of um storytelling can be uh valuable it's, not really it's not really for me i kind of still like doing the the self-contained stories uh in print form but you know if for whatever reason i can't justify the printing anymore i think you know putting comics online might be might be an interesting might be an interesting way to do it another comic creator i know um alex clark uh uh, she has instagram on instagram you have the 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 instagram stories yeah and she put one of her old comics on it and you could sort of just scroll through it and because there was a time limit on the stories, you kind of had to read it really quickly. And I kind of like that idea yeah, right. of it. It's a good way to promote. So I might do that eventually. I might put up some of my older comics on there. So 
so yeah i'm i i definitely think it i definitely like web comics and i like digital comics in general i still really enjoy print though so i yeah. think i think the world's big enough for both yeah, absolutely. Mm. And it's a great way to end it. Thanks very much, Frank. <laughs> no problem. Uh, it's been great having you in. Good luck with the, with the new book. And mm-hmm. uh, thanks heaps for coming into the show. No worries. Thank you for having me. And that's the end of this episode of Graphic Nature, the podcast. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed it. Please rate and review the show on whatever podcast service you use. It, it'll be uh, greatly appreciated. If you have any thoughts regarding the show, feel free to send an email to feedback at graphicnature.media. You can also catch the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. For more information about the show, you can also visit Graphic Nature on the web by typing into your handy web browser or search engine, graphicnature.media. Thanks again for listening, and uh, you'll hear more from us in a couple of weeks. Thanks a lot. Bye. Credits. Written, produced, edited, and presented by Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio consultation and additional production. Archie Cuthbertson, Dan Moore. Credits announcer, Simon Winkler. Theme character voices, Zoran Ilyevsky. Audio excerpts of Senate Subcommittee on Juvenile Delinquency, Wortham versus Gaines on Decency Standards, used courtesy of New York City Municipal Archives. You've been listening to Graphic Nature, the podcast.